Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio. Speaking truth to ours and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens are coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. And thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. This is the black voice, black truth, black idea, black thought sanctuary. And I am Janice Graham, and I am listening for you. We are celebrating our 20th year broadcasting Our Common Ground, and we thank you for being a part of it. I am so honored to have been the host of some of the greatest thinkers, writers, teachers, uh, idea persons, activists in this country. That has been a blessing to me. We um, are missing our board and chat moderator, and for those of you who are new to this, you can come into our chat room located at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG to find us, to both listen and chat with a number of our regulars and a stream of new people who join us to talk about uh, those things that are important to us, those things which empower us to become informed, critique, to do critical analysis. Um, I was so fortunate before I came on the air to uh, be in uh, discussion with our dear brother, Bill Fletcher, who is an associate professor at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, part of and one of the creators of one of the first black studies programs ever created in this country 
uh, the roadmap for that Black Studies program was created by Dr. W. E. B. Du Bois. We hope that you are well, and we hope that you are enjoying some time off from from work if you have the weekend off, and if you are not. Uh, for those of you who are sitting behind your desk and you're working, we're going to make it worthwhile. We attempt to try and make it worthwhile each and every program. Tonight at Our Common Ground, we're going to be talking with and in conversation with our dear brother, Dr. Jarrett A. Ball. We're going to be talking about revolutionary messaging in this new media, and uh, given the kind of um, headlines that we have been seeing about the mainstream um, media and press, it has always been apparent to us, as I always say, that we're the first to know. We're always the first to know when the depression is coming. We're always first to know when the bad times are coming. We're always first to know when they turn when they made a wrong turn. So tonight we're going to be discussing um, a number of issues with Dr. Ball. He's an associate professor of communication studies at Morgan State University, where his research interests includes the interaction between colonialism, mass media theory, and history. As well, he is also in study of the development of alternative underground journalism and cultural expression as mechanic as mechanisms of social movements and political organizations. Dr. Ball is a columnist with and produces a weekly radio column for blackgenderreport.com. And for those of you who are regulars, don't forget, we are making a pledge at Our Common Ground that all of our listeners subscribe to, donate to, support blackagendareport.com. And he is also a producer and host of the legacy edition of We Ourselves, uh, which is one of the longest-running radio programs uh, having to do with a focus on black interests and events. And it airs on Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Washington, D.C.'s WPFW 89.3 FM Pacifica Radio. And he is also the founder and producer of Free Mix Radio, the original mixtape radio show, which is Get This. Listen to these words. Freemix Radio, the original mixtape radio show, an emancipatory, journalistic, political mixtape. He is also the former editor of and current peer reviewer for the first academic journal dedicated to hip-hop, and we'll be talking with him about the global journal of hip-hop culture from Words, Beats, and Life, Inc., he is also the author of a new book, which was published this spring by AK Press, I Mix What I Like, a mixtape manifesto. He can be found online at imixwhatilike.com, and we'll be giving you more information about that, and we certainly will be talking with Jared Ball about his new book, 
about his impressions about the political culture under which we suffer, struggle, and resist. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to have just an off-the-cuff chat between you and me, us. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Once you are enslaved and once you are in servitude, you have no moral obligation to the people who have enslaved you. In enslaving you, they have freed you of all moral obligations because the nature of their enslavement of you says that you are without humanity, without manhood, without womanhood, without dignity. And anything you do to get those things back is morally justified. The struggle for survival in the United States is the handling of this never-ending tension between the institutional values of race, gender, and wealth, which give undue and unearned privileges and advantages to some so that others cannot compete on an equal basis for the resources of this country. Our people have resisted for 413 years in this wilderness, and they resisted for this generation to carry out what must be done. We cannot fail our ancestors. There's already so much evidence that we are waking up, beginning to acknowledge the reality. Something stinks. And we are going to have to fight, we're going to have to struggle, we're going to have to struggle relentlessly to bring about the peace. Because the people that we're asking for peace, they are a bunch of big little maniac warmongers, and they don't even understand what peace means. So we've got to fight them, we've got to struggle with them, and they don't understand what peace means. Everybody knows that all the people don't have liberty, all the people don't have freedom, all the people don't have justice, and all the people don't have power, so that means none of us do. Take this country and change it. Turn it upside down and put the last first and the first last. The preservation of history is a primary responsibility of any people. There is only one answer. Only one answer, revolution, full revolution. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I know that you can. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Legacy Edition of We Ourselves. I'm Jared Ball, your host. Most importantly, this is WPFW 89.3 FM, the mighty 89.3 FM, broadcasted live to the world from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Got a big show coming up, a packed show. Tonight at Our Common Ground, 
we welcome Dr. Jared Ball. He's a professor of communication studies at Morgan State University in Baltimore. He's a widely published author and will be talking about his new book, I Mix What I Like, a manifesto. He is a weekly columnist and commentator for the Black Agenda Report, radio talk show host and producer at Pacifica Radio, Washington, D.C., Dr. Jared Ball. It's our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Thank you for being with us. And Dr. Jared Ball, can you dig it? Thank you so much for being with us tonight at our common ground. It's so great to have you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's good to be with you and your audience. Thanks for having me. Well, let's let's start off this conversation talking about what has to be fixed uh, in how we communicate to each other. Um, Dr. Ball, you should know that I am celebrating my 20th year in broadcasting Black Empowerment Talk Radio. It's time for me to go, and I am so pleased to see people like you coming behind us. Um, So let's talk about what needs to be fixed. What do we need? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think a lot of things. First of all, again, thank you very much. And, and yeah, I appreciate that uh, you and, and, and others have been at this kind of work for, for a while. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, that, that it is um, important that as many of us who have the interest and the wherewithal come behind and, and try to, you know, keep things moving. But what in terms of that thing that, we, that needs to be fixed is the, the same essential problems that, uh, have needed fixing since uh, certainly at least since the development of what what we now call the United States. Um, but uh, what has really been at play for for uh, any number of hundreds of years now, um, most recently in terms of human history, obviously that's the combination of, you know, broadly speaking, uh, Western expansion and imperialism, and dominance over the globe. Um, so if we talk about what needs to be fixed, I mean, it, it could be broadly, you know, uh, described as that. It could be uh, capitalism needs to be fixed, white supremacy needs to be fixed, distribution of wealth and goods and services and the benefits that, that uh, society develops has to be fixed. Uh, all these things are, 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 are woefully imbalanced. So, uh, you know, um, you know, so again, broadly speaking, vaguely speaking, those are the the, the big isms, and as I see them, that that need to be addressed and fixed. And uh, uh, within that struggle, there needs to be many more people trying to develop as many avenues as possible for uh, critical thought and radical cultural expression to be uh, disseminated as widely as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that 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 strikes me is. I've listened to a number of your broadcasts. I've uh, read a number of your pieces, and I want to talk about one or two of them. I also have a great deal of respect of the analysis that you have done in regard to our domestic political landscape. But one of the things that I am just, uh, I, I feel that not only 
did it need it needed fixing and need needed to be empowered 20 years ago when I started this. But our dialogue with each other, the channels whereby our people are informed have been totally fractured. And I think that that has had a tremendous impact on our ability to conceptually as well as to dynamically resist the 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 the, the mindset in regard to the even the thought revolution mm-hmm. is dwindling among our people in this country. Oh no, I mean I fully agree. And again, I mean I think that that uh, you know one of the things uh, uh, certainly that I've tried to do and tried to to work with others who have uh, been doing this for a while and or who have laid this. Uh, basic approach uh, long ago, uh, laid it down long ago, is that, you know, I think in many ways we are conditioned, uh, particularly in this country, to um, accept a, a watered-down version of, of what media uh, actually are or what function they play in society. And we don't often recognize not only the political struggle involved, again, more broadly speaking, but that it, the way it's played out in terms of uh, mass communication and media. So I think that in many ways we, we uh, um, uh, for a number of different reasons uh, that, that impact us in a number of different areas, we've been, uh, again, uh, conditioned to not uh, understand or, or respect or appreciate uh, the history of, ma- of, of broadcast, of, uh, again, the politics of media, the politics of communication, and uh, uh, in many ways, that you know, the same groups of people that have long been in power are, are still uh, finding new ways and studying to find new ways to distort our ability to communicate with one another and to make sure that only the forms of communication that they see uh, fit or that they sanction be more um, uh, popularized. Um, uh, so, you know, and, I, and one of the points that I try to make is that despite the Appearance, or the uh, you know, uh, certainly the suggestion that we are free and that that we have you know black pe- you know black faces in high places, and we have um, a lot of gadgets and toys and a lot of popular culture and media to encourage us into believing the world is a better place than it actually is. Um, uh, you know, we haven't uh, uh, you know, because of all of that, I'm saying, you know, we 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 uh, in many ways haven't um, recognized that that our ability, uh, well, in the 21st century, that we have a, a situation where fewer people control more media uh, than at any point in world history, and they control a kind of media that is more powerful than any point in world history. And uh, to that, and despite again the appearance of progress and the appearance of access and the appearance of of availability of these gadgets and toys and social media, et cetera, uh, we are actually less able to communicate freely, uh, less able to popularize certainly a radical message than at any point in, in, in uh, uh, the history of this country. And, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, in many ways uh, stunted and uh, find our, our ability to organize and develop the kind of movements and um, social uh, forces that, that have, uh, you know, in the past sustained us and made things maybe slightly better or at least adjusted in, in, in form uh, to, to, to develop. I mean, it's almost impossible today 
not almost, I mean, you know, it's not almost impossible, but it's very difficult today, more difficult than any point, and I, I would argue in the history of this country to organize radical uh, progressive movements uh, in part because of the ability of those in power to manage our um, communicative uh, potential and, uh, 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 and to organize around it. So uh, I think the work needs to continue to be done, and many more of us need to not only think about how to engage in this kind of political communication, but to organize around it uh, so that eventually these kinds of discussions and efforts uh, will no longer need to take place. Well, I just uh, finished reading your book, uh, I Mix What I Like, a mixtape manifesto, and I really was looking for the for the CD, but <laughs> there was no there was no pocket on the back of the book. And 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 your book is so powerful. And one of the things that I came away with is how you have so um, entirely detailed how media has you has been used now to create a new kind of colonialism in within our community and how it has shaped the way white supremacy works in a new way in this uh jumbled up landscape where our people, you know, for instance, when I started off from radio, Jared, I was doing community radio. Mm-hmm. But it was the kind of community radio where um, I had uh, Dr. Naeem Akbar on the on the line one day, Dr. Nathan Hare, Hare on the line the next day, uh, uh, Sister Soldier, Sanya Sanchez, and Sister Soldier, <laughs> And Dr. Rand, Ron Daniels and and Bill Fletcher and that was running five days a week, three hours a a day. And I had a community whose mindset I could assist in building resistance, oppression, and an understanding of white supremacy. We don't have that anymore. Oh no, no, uh, absolutely not. In fact, uh, uh, and one of the you know, and I know we're using it now, and I know it's important to to use it and and do the best we can with it, but. Uh, in many ways, uh, the same way that I and others have argued uh, for a while now that, for instance, uh, the the um, imposition of uh, Barack Obama has had a negative impact on progressive politics within black America, the Internet, uh, the imposition of the Internet has ultimately, I would argue, uh, had a negative impact on uh, radical political cult, you know, and cultural expression and communication in black America and for many other people around the country and around the world. Uh, and it's that same kind of, um, you know, on the one hand, we forget that uh, to the extent that we're able to use it, that those who traditionally have held power in this country and around the world are also able to use it. Uh, and we also forget the original intent of the Internet, obviously, was, uh, you know, um, uh, Defense Department, military technology, and is still to this day used to uh, manage satellites and weaponry around the world, and in, in uh, not only in in outer space, but as we just heard recently, uh, will soon uh, be militarizing cyberspace. Um, so, we, 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 in other words, we can't just assume that uh, traditional antagonisms have gone away just because they look different, or we have a sort of uh, a 21st century 2.0 kind of uh, colonization going on. So all I was really trying to do with the book is is to say that um, 
since so many of the antagonisms and the tensions and the hostilities and the inequalities uh, that so many great people have been uh, trying to identify and, and, and destroy for so long still exist, that I think we should uh, apply some of the principles and theories associated to those uh, relationships to the 21st century because uh, I, I have been um, just dissatisfied with a lot of the more popular discussion in hip-hop and media studies um, and certainly uh, 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 most recently in terms of uh, uh, what I think is ultimately a false sense of security and a false uh, uh, sense of uh, progress and change um, that I wanted to say something different and argue something different and challenge as many of these popular conventional wisdoms as possible, starting with, of course, this idea that we live in some sort of democracy or free and equal society or some sort of uh, meritocracy uh, as opposed to uh, a neo-colonial situation, uh, and that we need to develop as many forms of mass communication that respond to that political situation. Uh, And then I argue that ultimately that the mixtape and underground offline form of communication can help uh, local communities involved in local political work to, to play that role. And then also just to say, you know, um, to try to just to, to get uh, um, to help at least with those who are trying to get as many of us as possible to see things in, in different ways and to critically reassess where we are in 2011, uh, because so much of what we see is in terms of social indicators and and material conditions are just are worsening. I mean, uh, just over the last 20 or 30 years, the, the conditions of access to health care and, and income and uh, police brutality and mass incarceration these things have gotten worse. Um, and uh, and yet we we don't seem to be applying what at least to, to my satisfaction many of the great and more radical theoretical approaches uh, which um, as I try to outline in the book at least very quickly have long sustained the the best and brightest among us in the in the in, uh, in the uh, most radical elements of our political uh, struggle in this country. So why not do it again, or why not revive that discussion to to the extent possible in 2011? Uh, because so much of what we need to to what have we we've been struggling to change has not in fact changed. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk a minute about uh, the way in which uh, the corporate imperialism in this country has aided and abetted uh, those kinds of cultural expressions uh, to drive a wedge, not only in terms of class within our community, but also in term generational wedges mm-hmm. um, and, and how we can somehow bridge those gaps. For instance, um, people of my generation, and um, I came out of business school in 19, you ready for this, 73. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, one of the things that, uh, was to a certain extent the the late eighty rap music, for instance, that that whole cultural um, rising up. I found in many ways some of that. Um, as much as I tried, and I really did struggle with it, um, uh, not only offensive, but which created a divide between me uh, and, and, and my own children. Um, 
and and I'm I'm thinking that there was some kind of design. It's almost as though in the traditional ways in which one generation has reached back for another generation that the music prevented that became an impediment to that stretch that we needed that we always needed to have uh to bring one generation through. Um, am I off on this? Well, I mean, I, I, I might see it differently. In fact, I mean, I, you know, I, I, the way I've come to see it is that, uh, uh, and I'm certainly not alone in this, but, uh, uh, the, you know, and the approach that I try to quickly lay out um, is that the much like all the cultural expression of black Americans, there is a tendency for uh, early rap music to be as diverse as anything else. So you had versions of it that were, um, uh, you know, almost, uh, you know, in an avant-garde form, uh, radically progressive. Uh, you had other forms of it that were, were less so. And, and those forms and that spectrum still exist to this day. So the question that I've always tried to focus on is, uh, and the same thing, you know, existed for the blues and for jazz and for for uh, soul and funk music and R&B. I mean, there's always uh, socially conscious forms and less socially conscious forms. The question for me is always which forms are allowed to bubble to the surface and become popular and become uh, sort of uh, um, uh, support elements uh, or encouraging elements for political struggle. And uh, when hip-hop first emerged, in the 70s and uh, and became more popular in terms of rap music in the 80s. There was a broader there was a, there was less corporate involvement in driving the, the forms that would become popular. There was less ability for there to be a top down imperial control because it was very much a a bottom up response from a colonized population uh, mm-hmm. dealing with its own particular uh, you know social political and material moment. And um, what that meant was that. As I said, you get, you know, an initial hit of, of uh, broad-based, uh, you know, diverse forms, and uh, those forms are all more or less equal, equally able to become popular. And you would have, in fact, tours with, uh, you know, a handful, even dozens of acts on one tour that would cover the entire political spectrum. I mean, you know, uh, in his early days, uh, the Fresh Prince, Will Smith toured with Public Enemy, uh, LL Cool J and uh, Big Daddy Kane and uh, uh, um, uh, you know and 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 many others. You would have uh, you know people from you know the more radically culturally progressive X Clan uh, uh, and you know poor righteous teachers involved with with uh, you know less progressive artists on tours, and they would all equally more or less be part of the the discussion uh, as corporate forces took over and as consolidation. Um, you know, re-emerged uh, and emerged anew in the mid-90s. And I think that those in power recognized, you know, because in the early days they used to tell us that rap music was a fad, it wasn't going to last. Uh, and I think once they realized that not only was it going to last, but it had the potential to 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 unite black people along along lines of progressive nationalism, it had even the ability to, to unite people across the racial uh, spectrum along progressive ideals. And I think that those in power, uh, in one way or another, recognize that, and in their own, you know, 
when you don't interrupt a process, a, a colonizing process, and you don't interrupt a capitalist process, it does what it does, and it recognizes a potential threat, and it co-ops it, it purchases it, purchases it, it repackages forms of it, and popularizes a form of that cultural expression that it that suits its political needs. So, uh, and then what we have now, by now, is is almost exclusively a popularized form of a cultural expression from a colonized people that were it left alone would be far more radical than, than the popular form is today. And if you look hard enough and uh, pay enough attention and, and those who really know and love hip hop know that there's plenty of, of uh, progressive and very radical music being made very well, very, very uh, being made very well that is just not allowed to be heard. And the structure today is much more locked down and much more, um, uh, uh, consolidated and um, you know constricted to the point where it's it's it, despite again appearances as I was saying a moment ago it is more difficult now to become rich and famous musically than it has ever been in this country's history uh, and more and fewer people uh, are 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 in a position to determine what forms of the cultural expression will be made popular. So that's, you know, that's pretty much the way I, I tend to see it, and I think that that's where I think it's best to, to, to focus on it, and that's why I keep arguing that, that we need more discussions about the politics and the societal function, uh, in this case the colonizing function of major mass media, uh, and that, uh, uh, you know, it almost doesn't matter. If the system itself is not interrupted, it doesn't matter what we do. It will go through this similar process um, and and uh, um, uh, and be used against us, or as Fanon said, be used to testify against the colonized uh, uh, through a popular form that is is actually a bastardized version of what the original form was, and that's exactly what we see today. And one last point, very quickly, that that, that others have have been quick to point out over the years is that in the early years of of rap and hip hop, uh, hip hop's emergence, it was uh, middle class. Uh, black radio that would not allow rap music to be heard uh, in in some ways in fear of losing advertising and, and the white dollar, but also uh, in fear of being made, you know, in a very uh, class-biased way, in a very inter intergenerationally biased way uh, to say we don't want to be made to look bad by these young upstarts after we've worked so hard to overcome and make progress and so on and so forth. And in many ways it was black radio that prevented the most radical and pro progressive forms of rap music to be heard by black people. Uh, and Chuck D and Public Enemy and many others have, have, have pointed this out musically over the years, and certainly uh, in terms of scholarship and journalism, this point has been made uh, repeatedly over the years, and I think it's, it's one that's very important, particularly as today, and then I'll, you know, I'll stop here, but particularly as today as we look at what Michelle Alexander says uh, quite accurately about the mass incarceration issue, that it's in many cases a black middle class that refuses to engage the issue out of a, a you know, a, a sort of anti-class, anti-poor uh, uh, bias that persists uh, in our midst. Mm -hmm. and, we, and we need to talk more about how black shame exhibits itself. Uh, you know, Dr. Ball, last night, last week, 
uh, when we were trying desperately to have you here, uh, one of the things that I talked about is the language that the terms, the concepts that we use very often about each other in referring to each other and in talking about race and white supremacy, and we accept that language which is minimizing, which minimizes our suffering, which minimizes our need to resist, which minimizes our understanding of our history of oppression, uh, terms like the race card. When people use it, it is used to shut us down, and we allow that. So uh, we're going to take a a, a very short break. Thank you all for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. This is the Black Thought and Black Voice Sanctuary. We make no excuses about where we're headed on this show. And Don and Coven Mann and YJ and Khalifa, we thank you for being in our chat room. And for those of you who would like to join our chat room, you can come to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. Our guest is Dr. uh, Jared Ball. He's an associate professor of communication studies at Morgan State University. He is a columnist with and produces a weekly radio column for blackagendareport.com, and he is the producer and host of Legacy Edition of We Ourselves, which airs on Fridays, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., 83.3 FM WPFW, Washington, D.C. We have been talking about his new book, which was uh, published this spring, I Mix What I Like, a mixtape manifesto. I have just completed the book, and you should read it. It is informative. It makes the argument uh, that helps helps us see where we have to bring clarity and balance to what we think about in our community, not only with our children, but with ourselves. This is Our Common Ground, Speaking Truth to Power and Ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and when we come back, we'll be talking more with Dr. Jared Ball. She became the nightmare icon for every African-American parent who had a child in a college or a university, and she was the poster child for mandatory minimum sentencing. Hi, this is Janice Graham, inviting you to join us in our special Monday, July 18th. Our guest, Kimba Smith. She joins us in her first interview for the new book, Poster Child, Kimba Smith Story. That's an Our Common Ground special, July 18th, 10 p.m. I'll be listening for you, Kimba Smith. Works Network, nightly call-in talk radio. It's the Black Voice Collaborative, right here on Blog Talk Radio. I want to know why I'm fine one minute and the next 
My body aches so bad I can't move. I want to know why my hair is falling out. I'm only 17. I'm tired all the time. Now, this rash. I just want to know what's going on. When you don't have the right answers, it may be time to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov or call 1-800-994-9662. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. that exists and uh, uh, that much of what we see in the world is 
um, not an accident, is not inherent or innate to the people who suffer it, and uh, uh, is something that can be changed should people decide that that um, uh, that they would like to change it. And um, so I just try to point out to them. So I often ask in my classes, you know, as we go through the semester, just to consider ways in which various forms of media could be manipulated to, uh, again, weaken the capability of a target audience to, to become politically active for radical change. And I think that in some cases you can just show uh, the uh, overt statements of some of those who have done the research in, on behalf of the society um you could you could also just show you know the structural and hierarchical arrangements of these media and their ownership um and uh, as i often do just in terms of music just show how songs are made popular uh who owns them and what their content is uh and then every once in a while show what other songs exist that are not allowed to be popular and then people start to realize for themselves very clearly that there are some serious problems here that that maybe they couldn't, uh, again, verbalize before or they didn't see it quite that way. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then, then the questions come up uh, that I think, you know, we all struggle with. What ways are, are what, how can we communicate it? And one of the questions I've just tried to ask is, again, if, in fact, I and others are correct that black America is more like an internal colony than a free citizenry, then what are the potential avenues for expressing that uh, and to what impact? And I think that, that it's quite effective uh, in terms of, of, of a classroom, but I think just also in general um, uh, in terms of raising serious questions. So, you know, even when we used to pass out the Mixtape Radio Project for free, we'd be walking around giving them away. Um, and, you, you know, once you express to people that this is not a demo and I'm not, trying to, I'm not a rapper trying to get on or anything like that, uh, and you demonstrate that this is a mixtape radio project, a lot of times people will ask, well, why do you think it's necessary to put a radio program together on a mixtape and give it away for free? Uh, when we have so much stuff on the Internet or we have so many radio stations and TV stations and so on, why do you think it's necessary? And when you explain the process, and that's what I've just tried to do with this book is explain the theory and philosophy behind it, um, I think then people start to understand why, it, it, if you want to express certain forms of thought and certain forms of cultural expression, then you have to do something drastic like make, it, make a mixtape and pass it out for free. Um, uh, and I think that as we see increasing lockdown on the Internet uh, over the near future, uh, as I and others are predicting, uh, we may find that, that such low-tech options like a mixtape or even pirate radio are uh, uh -huh. things that we need to go back and consider. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I did uh, last year before last was I predicted that even here at Blog Talk Radio, it wasn't going to be free forever and right. um, picked up another channel and started uh, looking at uh, talk radio programs that were, were doing uh, a, a good job and in, in informing and, and being part of a uh, a network of university-type teaching and education over the air. And um, TruthWorks Network now has been open for about two years, and we offer it as a black voice collaborative. And one of the things that we do is we reload the truth, and we take interviews from radio programs across the Internet and rebroadcast them on Monday night. Um, we also provide documentary audio 
uh, for people to have history lessons and and the the uh, the history of culture, uh, voices like uh, Dr. Clark and uh, Amos Wilson, who I was so fortunate to be able to have many many times on our common ground prior to his illness and death. Uh, so I do think that we uh, have to that what you are doing and how you lay it out in your book, Free Mix Radio, the original mix tape radio. Um, okay, that's the radio show. But this whole notion of emancipatory journalism is so important. Um, many many years ago, George um, George Davis. Who is the wrote the, the 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 tune "Tell It Like It Is" was one of my listeners, and he was desperately trying to get my shows transcripted to be able to provide them to hip hop and um, and rap artists, and that was back in the in the eighties. So I do wow. think that we are desperate to to try to capture ourselves. Our our struggleless spirit somehow, and not have it to be corrupted in the way. Because if you look at who's winning the war in terms of <clears throat> the image of our people, uh, it's certainly not the free mix um, distributors on the street. Oh no, no, not at all. And, that, and, that, and that's again sort of what I'm saying that that as much as as, as uh, all the great work you and your colleagues have done, and uh, the, the many more around the country and the world who have tried to take advantage of the internet and any other form of media that we could get our hands on, uh, it's, it's it's sort of uh, you know unfortunately one of the points I'm arguing is that despite all of that work, um, uh, collectively we're going backwards. And uh, uh, so that I think that's, again, why I'm, I'm arguing and, and, and trying to find ways to, to, to do more than just argue it as an individual academic, but, but put more of it into practice, but uh, is that we have to, to, to think very seriously about uh, where we are in terms of mass communication. Uh, uh, you know, you know the, the, the Internet, when you look at it very carefully, for all that we're all doing with it, um, it's far more uh, atomizing and, and uh, 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 fragmenting than any other media we've had in, 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 in world history. Um, there's so much of a mass being produced that uh, so very, 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 very little of it bubbles to the top that isn't sanctioned again by more corporate uh, forces. Um, and we don't have anything on, on, on the par of uh, uh, not on the Internet in terms of things like even Huffington Post or, uh, certainly the more mainstream uh, papers, but we don't have anything in terms of black America in terms of traditional radio that, that rivals anything like a Rush Limbaugh or a Fox radio mm -hmm. network. So what mm -hmm. we have is um, a real desperate crisis in terms of uh, developing and protecting a radically political uh, public sphere. Uh, and, uh, um, uh, you know, there are little pockets of it here and there, but uh, but I think that, you know, collectively throughout the community, uh, you know the, the sad reality is that Amos Wilson is no popular, now, no more popular now than he was 20 years ago in our community. Uh, you know, Dr. Clark is no more popular now than he was 20 years ago in our community. Uh, and certainly, you know, in terms of material uh, conditions, uh, uh, during the 30 or 40 year rise of the internet, Black America uh, and indeed all oppressed communities have found their conditions worsen. 
so I think we need to think again very seriously about uh, where we are realistically in, in all of this and uh, the, to the extent that those in power are able to produce messages and images at a far greater rate. And then for those of us who live in or around cities like Washington, D.C., and around others around the country, I mean, we have a situation even where, and I briefly mentioned this in the book, but, but where, where companies like Clear Channel uh, dominate not only uh, uh, um, advertising on, on the air, but uh, also in terms of the physical space. I mean, they talk about branded, what they call branded cities, where for everywhere from, you know, signage to billboards to bus kiosks are all uh, promotional image media spaces controlled by this one company, creating a situation where, as they describe for themselves, themselves uh, where people are subsumed within a, in a, in a brand environment that uh, they don't even know exists, and they, we don't even realize to what extent our, our entire cognitive uh, environment has been managed by really a handful of people who have the same, you know, uh, uh, you know ignoble goals and, and, you know, and designs for us that they've yeah. had. For centuries, yeah. and the cultural the the cultural corrosion is ought to be of concern to all of us when there is such a powerful, consistent message that is not in our interest and that is destructive, and that is it has rendered the silence that we have experienced as a people over the last twenty years. That's right. I mean, right. all of us sit around, you all sit around and call me, well, why aren't these people angry? Why aren't uh, two million people showing up at the White House? Why Why isn't the, the Department of Justice seeing 50,000 protesters a day? We're killing, uh, police are out in the street killing with permission and becoming more empowered. Folks, I hope you hear me, becoming more empowered by the permission they get by verdicts and courts every day, and we are silent. The march to our prisons, the creation of new prisons, can be mapped dot by dot, folks, back to the dotted line of your tax dollars being spent at the state level and the federal level for more, more prisons, and that silences us. Okay, okay, I'm 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 getting off the box right now. Okay, uh, and 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 you know, Jared, one of the things it really breaks my heart. I've been an activist since I was like nine years old. I'm one of the few people who grew up in the South that heard Malcolm X speak three times. So, mm-hmm. uh, it 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 is the silence is so deafening. And it comes from the corrosion. And it is how we speak to each other that is as destructive. Because we buy it, then we sell it. We buy it, then we sell it. Jared, and you know that I am um, bringing you to this place because I think that we thought, for some reason, as uh, the the brother from Harvard Law School used to uh, used to say, we, and we still are not saved by a president whose skin looks like ours, whose hope selling we bought, 
and there has been some change, but it hasn't been in our interest. Where are you, Dr. Ball, on where we are in the in the age of Barack Obama? Well, I mean, I, I'm where I've been since I first saw him speaking at the Democratic National Convention in in '04. Uh, and I, you know, I immediately fired off an email to a friend of mine. I said, I don't know who this dude is, but he's dangerous. Uh, and you know, and I'm one of those who, who as he addressed in his book, who when he said that there's no white America, black America, Latin America, there's one America. And I said, okay, here's this black man saying this, and he's, he's clearly brilliant and uh, good looking and articulate. Uh, we're in trouble, and you don't get to that platform if you haven't been already heavily vetted by the most uh, conservative elements within the Democratic Party, uh, within the most corporate elements of the, the electoral political system yeah. in general. So I knew that this man was was a problem for us. And then when I checked with, with uh, folks that I knew in the activist community from Chicago and around the country and uh, uh-huh. asked about this cat, uh, either people never heard of him or had very um, uh, cautious words to say about him. And, mm-hmm. uh, and everything, so everything he's done, since, since uh, his campaign and his election has, I think, been perfectly consistent and, and predictable, and I and some others had said so. Uh, I was even part of a group who, who, in the Green Party, tried to run an alternative campaign and then backed out to support Cynthia McKinney and Rosa Clemente, and there was a lot of people who were very critical of that and made a lot of jokes about it, uh, who I think now, if we had an honest discussion, would look back and, 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 and admit, and some have, quite honestly, off the record, that, that that we were right. Um, uh-huh. So, uh, and if we look in terms of the the topic for our discussion tonight, where Obama has been in terms of the internet, the FCC, mass communication, surveillance, uh, uh, wiretapping, the rights of privacy, habeas corpus, uh, uh, um, civil liberties, terror, and all these other related issues, he has been as bad, if not worse, than than George Bush. He has extended and worsened some of these policies that, that uh, uh, Bush initiated, uh, most notably the, the, the right to assassinate American citizens without a trial. Uh, even Bush didn't do that. Um, he spent, you know, Obama has increased the military budget three times since he's been in office. Uh, each one of those is a new record for military spending in the country's history. So, I mean, we have a situation, you know, and he refuses to say anything about race. He won't participate in the World Conference Against Racism. He's backed out of two since he's been elected already. Uh, just like George Bush did. So we can't have, and then part of what Not you were saying a moment ago. out, but boycotted. Yeah. This way. Boycotted, right, I'm sorry, right. Yeah. And condemned. You're right, boycotted yeah. and condemned them. Yeah, uh, you know, and then, just, and to your point just from a moment ago, uh, in terms of what is sanctioned by the society, he tacitly sanctioned uh, uh, continued police brutality against black people in his ridiculous non-defense of, of his friend Skip Gates uh, when he had his little relatively minor incident of police brutality. So we let's, have a situation let's stop that, there for yeah. a minute. I have two sure. things I want you to 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 cover for for uh, a minute. And that is more important than what I believe is your accurate analysis of of this president and how he got where he was. Uh that he was well vetted four years before the 2004 Democratic National Committee because he wrote the book. He 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 did some things in in the in the Illinois state legislature and as a senator 
to help him, to, to position him. It was strategic in nature, and we all know that. Uh, it was the, the the Kennedy mantra, the, the, the Kennedy mantra against the um, uh, Clinton machine. So we know that. But it, it, talk a little about where we falter as we rejected the notion. First of all, I was very offended when people weren't outraged and and was not offended by what happened with Cynthia McKinney in Georgia. Mm-hmm. We can always figure out. You're listening real carefully. We can always figure out, Doc Don, out there in Oklahoma, right? We can figure out every time what's wrong with the black woman. But we can never figure out what's wrong with the other folks until it's too late. But we figured her out early. Okay. Right, right. What went wrong in our – how did we falter? And, 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 and see, I think that this is white supremacy, the impact of white supremacy at its best. When, when we minimized and dismissed a Cynthia McKinney. And how do we get her back? Because that's what I'm interested in. I well, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, uh, um, you know, but we have to remember. I mean, this is again the reason why I, I you know, in a, in a very, you know, admittedly, uh, you know, t- unpopular stance, wanted to revive as much as I could help to do, uh, and others have been doing it and, and doing it uh, as well, if not better than I've been doing. And by the way, I just want to let your listeners know that. That, as you mentioned earlier, they can check out uh, uh, all the information they need on the book at imixwhatilike.com, and uh, uh, including where we talk about how every penny that I'm going to make from the book will go help political prisoners. So I'm not going to make any money off the book. So I encourage people not only for the for the content wow. and the debate that I hope the book encourages, but you know all the money is going to political prisoners. So uh, I'm trying to get that word out about the book as well, um, and I'm just not. Okay, uh, I'll put that up on my. I'll put a link to the to the purchase of the book up on my um, on my website and make that Great. note. Thank you, thank you. You know, so but, but my, so my point was that, that you know wanted to revive this discussion of, of colonialism is to, to, was really just in, in 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 some small way to make the point that uh, this power struggle still exists, however you want to define it. But what we can't define it as is that something that's going to be taken care of uh, through. Uh, standard sanctioned democratic process, uh, small d democratic process, that is, that electoral politics as they've been set up in this country, political parties as they've been set up in this country, uh, the arrangement of wealth and power in this country as they've been set up are designed to prevent the use of the vote and to prevent uh, the normal sort of course of action that we all might take to, to bring about the kind of change that most of us want. And this is what those in power were able to manipulate in terms of Obama. So, so my point in this is that that uh, one, you know, the, to answer this question you asked about where we faltered is that uh, where we faltered is in reviving the movements and political organization that have uh, sustained what, to what we to whatever we might call progress for us uh, in this country's history. That that we have um, through the long struggle the violent repression by the most powerful state in world history, COINTELPRO, continued forms of the counterintelligence program, mass incarceration, political imprisonment, assassination, et cetera, uh, and just sort of an economic terrorism, as Kevin Phillips calls it, Kevin Phillips calls it, 
uh, we've been weakened to the point where um, uh, these kinds of ploys will be successful. So when you take someone like an Obama, who, again, if, you, if people haven't already, read the work of Paul Street uh, and, and others that, and other my colleagues at blackagendareport.com have been writing for years now, if you look at the history of this man, it is not controversial. It's not uh, conspiratorial. It is just it is just documented fact that he has been sponsored by the most powerful elements of the society for years, and he's been put in a position to uh, further um, uh, confuse not only black people but all well-meaning people around the world into thinking that um, he was real change. And uh, despite the fact that he made clear in his campaign, despite the fact that um, his actions have made even more clear since he's been elected, that he is not the kind of change that most people wanted. Uh, so much of, of, of the propaganda campaign and the branding campaign has been successful primarily because of the lack of organization. So if you, you know, and, and just as I'm trying to argue in other spaces, if you, you, you can't have a Barack Obama if you don't first assassinate uh, Dr. King and Malcolm X. The, 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 the space can't be occupied at the same time. Uh, one won't allow for the other to exist. Uh, you can't have a uh, Barack Obama if you don't destroy, in terms of modern-day electoral politics, a Cynthia McKinney. You can't, you, you know, the two can't coexist because one exposes the other uh, for what it actually is. Uh, and then, by the way, we need to remember that the advertising community, the business community, gave Barack Obama and his campaign the Brand of the Year Award for 2008 meaning that they recognized that he was branding himself and his campaign into the American consciousness at a level that even Nike and Apple and other major corporate brands were not able to do. And what that means is if you study what a brand is and what propaganda is, what that simply means is that uh, the, the false image uh, uh, of what, what he really represents won out. He was successful. It was the most powerful, manipulative presidential campaign in history and the fact that he is again black uh attractive and extremely intelligent made uh, uh and given the fact that he was coming on the heels of one of the, the most overtly worst presidents in 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 modern history um and, and the world knew it he was successful i mean it was it was it was a it was a, a, a an almost perfect storm of uh neo-colonial branding and, and electoral politics uh, uh, that the world has ever seen. So on the one hand, I'm disappointed in the way we, and by this, in this sense, I mean we in the so-called progressive or radical black community, uh, I'm, I'm more disappointed in the way we responded, uh, dis despite the fact that I'm not, you know, confused by the way we responded. And, and when you're looking at people who are not as politically, you know, attuned and not as politically involved and, and uh, younger maybe or more naive or less uh, uh, um, uh, engaged on a daily basis in, 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 in radical politics and political organization, uh, you know, and you, you, you put them, you know, you subsume them within this, again, brilliant propaganda campaign. It's, I mean, it's understandable uh, that so many would, would believe it and respond the way they have. Um, and it's also understandable that they wouldn't have responded the way we would have liked them to to alternatives. It's just simply, you know, but if you don't let Cynthia McKinney in the discussion, if you don't let other forms of, of, of ideas be entered into the discussion and you don't package them as brilliantly as Obama was packaged, 
the, 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 the masses, so to speak, don't stand a chance. And that's why I, I still think we need, as others have been arguing for much longer than I have, we need consistent political organization that uh, it produces its own emancipatory brand of journalism. Uh, and, uh, and, and really that's the only hope I, I think that we have. And I just think that, again, I just think that because the mixtape hasn't been talked about a lot uh, and it's my favorite form of communication, that uh, I just wanted to, to put those two things together in this book. But, but more importantly, I think that we really need to get serious. All of us need to get very serious about where we are politically uh, and, and in terms of our organization, our capability to, to impose our, our desire onto this world because uh, things are just getting worse by the second as I see them. And, uh, 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 and there isn't enough, as you said, uh, uh, you know, outcry from, from, from those of us who are yeah. suffering so much. Yeah. I mean, I am I am having to uh, reasonably distance myself from the daily onslaught of the evidence. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham. I'll be listening for you with Dr. Jared Ball, who is a an associate professor of communication studies at Morgan State University. His new book. We have been talking about I Mix What I Like, a mixtape manifesto can be found by going to his blog, to his website at imixwhatilike.com and um, we suggest that you read this book. I just finished it on Wednesday or Thursday. We're going to take a short break, Dr. Ball, and when we come back, I'd like to go to our phones. Um, I think that you have uh, laid the foundation. Folks, if you don't understand it, um, read the book, because we do have to get to the point where we understand, for us, it's not the same, and for us, it's even worse. Our Common Ground, I'll be right back. Can you dig it? I know that you can. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Legacy Edition of We Ourselves. I'm Jared Ball, your host. Most importantly, this is WPFW 89.3 FM, the mighty 89.3 FM, broadcasted live to the world from the nation's capital. And he's with us here tonight. Can you dig it? Dr. Jared Ball. We'll be right back. This is Alpha, hosting the best of pushback talk radio. Join Alpha on Saturday, 3 p.m. for Just Damn Radio. It's the Alpha Show at Truth Works Network. 
African History Network, where we educate, empower, and inspire people of African descent throughout the U.S. and around the world. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have a wide selection of African history DVD lectures and CDs dealing with all aspects of African history. We have DVD lectures from Dr. Yosef Ben Yakinen, Dr. John Henry Clark, Anthony Browder, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, Sabir Bay, Professor Joseph Ben Levy, and many others. We also have CDs that are episodes of the African History Network show, so you can listen to them in your car as well. Our current promotion right now, since we're celebrating the anniversary of the African History Network and the African History Network show, is buy four DVDs, get one free, and you'll also get free shipping uh, if you just four DVDs or more on U.S. orders. We also ship internationally as well. You can still buy four DVDs, get one free. Unfortunately, we don't have free shipping on international orders. We have DVDs up to 50% off. And don't forget to check out our 10-CD set, The African Origins of Christianity, which consists of many interviews that we've done on our show dealing with uh, the early origins of Christianity, the African origins of Christianity. That is $25 for 10 uh, CDs, regularly $50. So that is an excellent uh, gift and that's an excellent addition to your collection. This, the African History Network is a great resource for study groups, churches, organizations, or if you're doing homeschooling and you want to create a library. So once again, check out AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And remember, when you support the African History Network, you help keep us on the air. And you help keep the African History Network going so we can put out this great information. Once again, check us out at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com or give us a call at every code 313-396-5396. That's 313-396-5396. Remember, right knowledge corrects wrong behavior. Mod Hotel. And we do hope you'll catch Michael M. Hotep at African History Network Channel uh, dot com. You're listening to our common ground. Just like the city that stagger on the coastline and a nation that just can't stand much more. Like the forest. And we thank you for being here. It is winter in America. Our guest tonight, Dr. Jared Ball, Associate Professor of Communication Studies at Morgan State. He is the producer and host of Legacy Edition of We Ourselves at WPFW, 83.3 FM Pacifica Radio in Washington, D.C. And he produces a weekly radio column for blackagendareport.com, and I want to remind all of you that Our Common Ground is a supporter. We made a pledge that all of our listeners would subscribe and support blackagendareport.com. Uh, um, back in April when our brother Bruce Dixon was with us, Dr. Ball, thank you so very much for being with us here tonight. You no, have no, no, brought no. some very powerful stuff here. Uh, that supports what we're trying to do. Folks, we have got to screw our heads on right. We're losing the battle at every front. And and, and let me say this, Dr. Ball, we're not losing the battle because now we're, we're not waging the battle. 
Mm-hmm. We're living with illusions and we're deluding ourselves with lies that somehow everything has changed. We're going to go to 773 out there in Chicago. You're on the air. I respect you with Dr. Jared Ball. Good evening, Janice, and good evening to your guest, Dr. Ball. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, Dr. Ball, I have... um I have I have absolutely no problem with uh, what you have uh, articulated about uh, this president, and I'm not um, I'm in no way uh, looking through rose-colored glasses about his achievements of what he's done and his uh, shortcomings about the African American community. Um, but I have some questions when it comes to. Do you really think that the established white supremacy of business and corporations and the vetted uh, elitists, the, the, will, will, they, they will give up power to a real black man? And when I say a real black man, now this black man is not, what, black enough? We know he's smart enough, but now he's not black enough for our agenda and we speak about uh, what could be when we talk about our, our candidates like a Cynthia McKinney. You know, Cynthia McKinney was one or is one who speaks her mind and speaks to the truth about black people. And now she has been so marginalized that I don't think she could ever regain even the position of Congresswoman that she was there, you know, where she was. When you see what she has achieved and what she's doing now, they keep her and they continue to propagate her in a fringe mode, as though she's radical and she's on the outside. So taking all that in, would you say that this is this is realistic to believe that this president will all of a sudden shift to a paradigm where the African-American community is uh, a top priority or even a second or third priority for him. And like I said, I understand fully when you speak about uh, what the change and how he uh, campaigned to get our vote. But is is this or is this not really a situation where we simply have to deal with what we have now? And work to get it, make it better. No, I hear you. I, I, I appreciate. I appreciate that. Uh, um, and this is sort of my point. It's not uh, my, my criticism of <clears throat> Obama is no different uh, in in this respect than, than my criticism of of anybody in, in popular culture or you know any pop rapper or anybody else. I'm only looking at the the function they are meant to play in society, not. Uh, making any kind of personal judgment, or, or this is not certainly about. Um, as I think I saw one of your your uh, somebody commented on the blog. This is not about crabs in the barrel or, or hating or anything like that. It's it's, it's raising questions about um, the the uh, fundamental relationships and the politics involved. So, if as I'm if as I'm identifying uh, or arguing that we live in a, in a colonized relationship or a neo-colonial relationship. Uh, and when you then then if you apply those principles, 
what we would see then is that Barack Obama is no different as um, an elected leader than any other black or brown official who's appointed to administer the, to the colony uh, in any traditional colony. So uh, we haven't had an official uh, directly ruling white leader of a black or brown country, uh, if ever, certainly not in the last 50 to 75 years, and yet I don't think any honest observer could look at, or certainly any honest researcher could look at the conditions of these people in these other parts of the world as, as being uh, successful or, over, or having overcome. So my point is, is that it doesn't necessarily matter, or that, or maybe in this case, the, the, the way we should appreciate or, 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 or interpret Obama's blackness is in this again neo-colonial way, in the same way that the British wanted to make sure that we got Mobutu and not Patrice Lumumba, or that we got, um, uh, to be quite honest, uh, even a Nelson Mandela and not a Chris Hani in South Africa, uh, or to the extent that we have seen throughout Latin America until more recently at least, uh, certain leaders be established. And we see, I mean, it's really everywhere in the world that colonialism and imperialism exist, we see the same process. So that's really all I'm saying here, that, that uh, um, if you look carefully uh, or, and honestly, you, 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 it, it's not really that hard to see that uh, Obama was, in fact, developed by the corporate wing of the Democratic Party, to do exactly what he has been doing, to put a more soft face, a more welcoming face on the imperialist project that is the United States. And that's why, since he's been in office, he's given, not only in light of what I've just, not only including what I said earlier, he's given the greatest giveaway of, of public funding and protection to Wall Street that we've ever seen in this country's history, promising over $22 trillion to protect Wall Street, uh, while at the same time not doing anything directly uh, to to address working people, uh, and certainly not black people specifically. So uh, this is really all I'm saying here. And in terms of media, I'm, I'm arguing we need to apply those same principles. And if you read the anti-colonial theorists, the great ones that we all know, at least by name, Franz uh, Fanon among the, the, the top of that list, um, then we see that the media that is, is employed in defense of all of this is exactly – uh, doing exactly, or rather, is doing exactly what we what, what um, uh, they predicted. It is producing an image of ourselves that encourages um, uh, apathy, encourages confusion, encourages disunity and, and disorganization, and then, of course, leads to you know to the extent it's like it's sort of the reverse crab in the barrel. So that uh, uh, when when the community tries to produce a leader in terms of electoral politics, like Cynthia McKinney. Uh, uh, and others around the country, they are bombarded by a wave of propaganda that tells them, no, you must go for the, the black leader we've sanctioned for you, in this case, Barack Obama. Uh, so the crabs in the barrel is actually, uh, you know, uh, set up to, to work in that way so that, that genuine leadership uh, that emerges from the community is seen as hostile, as seen as, uh, uh, you know, you know, can't win and backwards and so on and so forth, and and then we all go for the the, the shiny, more well produced, more well promoted form, uh, and of course we find ourselves exactly where we are now, where Black America's long term unemployment rate is the highest it's been since 1948. The unemployment rate officially is worsening to to depression era levels. Uh, uh, we have the new report from the National Urban League said. Uh, less than half the access to health care that whites have, um, and we make, still make 53 cents on the white dollar 
per hour in income. So, and, and at the same time, we have uh, not only in black America, but across the whole left spectrum, we have uh, uh, in the, 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 in the sort of dis- discouraging um, uh, wave of, of, of propaganda telling us don't organize, don't protest, don't get out in the streets, don't raise a fuss because you don't want to be seen as being critical of the first black president. Uh, you certainly don't want to be seen as being critical of one of your own. And at the same time, things continue to get worse. So we have so, – so really that's what I'm trying to say. If we look at it through the process of colonialism uh, or, or any other model really that allows us to look more critically at the way the vote is used uh, and has been used historically, uh, then I think we would see without a shadow of a doubt what Obama actually is and, more importantly, what then we have to do. Well, so, Jared, let me ask you a question. Alpha, excuse me, I just want to uh, go on a point that was made in, 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 the, in the discussion that you're having, uh, and, and, and that is, so essentially we're participating with this inauthentic kind of new government icon in our own dismantling of the tools that we, we created, designed, and made available to this country to force our government to address issues that are important to the taxpayers. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, what oh, you're I saying. mean, well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if, again, if we go back, and, and, and again, because I, I, uh, I get this kind of thing all the time, and I see this come up all the time, that that um, uh, this, this issue of um, um, conspiracy theorists and, and uh uh, uh, you know, somebody mentioned on your, your chat here, the boule and things like that. Um, so my only question then is, is to say, well, well, to what extent have, have people done research into the way power is wielded in the society and the way it's disseminated? And, you know, so my point would be, as Steve Coakley and others have made the point very well for a long time, what is the role of these secret societies? What is the role of of uh, um, uh, highly interlocked boards of directors and the business roundtable and the Bilderberger group or the Boule. What is the function? I mean, there is no denying that these organizations exist, so the only other question is then what do they do and what function do they serve? And if the argument is that to bring them up is, is silly conspiracy theory, well, I have to go with what I heard, I think, from Ishmael Reed years ago where he said, if you want to call me a conspiracy theorist, you have to acknowledge yourself as a coincidence theorist. You can say, you know, that coincidentally the same people end yeah. up in power and have all the reasons. But, but yeah. to more, more directly answer your question, I mean, this is exactly the point. And if you go back uh, and read exactly what the so-called founders of this country said, if you go back and look at what the, the so-called godfather of modern public relations or propaganda, Edward Bernays, said about the vote itself, I mean, they're very overt and honest. I mean, they said explicitly the vote is not to be used to really make fundamental change. The vote is to be used to, in a very imperial way, expand your influence over people in a way that doesn't encourage them to see you as a threat. So you invite them into the democratic process. You, uh, and, and Bernays, in fact, said that we have, he called it an invisible government. And he said we give you uh, every few years the, the politicians from which you can choose and then in the process of making one of those choices, you assume that you're free when, in fact, you are just helping us, you are facilitating the ease with which we can oppress you. And then, of course, as you, uh, I think, alluded to, 
the resource of the vote is, is abused in the same way as the resource of our labor or of our taxes or whatever else, and it's used to enrich someone else and weaken us. And that is the dialectic that the, colon, the, yeah. the, the colonial model asks us, asks us to consider. As Walter Rodney said, as Fanon and others said, your development can only exist as my underdevelopment uh, equally exists. So you can't have, and the same thing in terms of image, you can't have a free, uh, you can't have a white supremacist dominance without the consistent re-presentation of black inferiority. So the same thing has to happen uh, in terms of electoral politics. You can't have, uh, you know, Cynthia McKinney can't be successful um, uh, unless there is an absence of the representation of her opposite. So they consistently re-promote something that she isn't, uh, uh, and then we go for it, uh, as we would, uh, of course, be uh, conditioned to do or, or weakened to do, absent the kind of political organization we need and absent the kind of horrific violence we've suffered over the last even just 50 years, people, I think, don't fully appreciate the kind of level of physical, material, and psychic violence we've suffered just in the last 50 years collectively. I mean, James Cone, I'm sorry to ramble here, but James Cone actually said, you know, uh, uh, the great black uh, liberation theologist said um, that the, the uh, in line with what Lawrence Bobo said about the, 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 floor, the uh, um, increase of prison, that these are internal colonies, Bobo, Bobo said, and that uh, James Cone said that these, that these have the equivalent of mass lynching and mass crucifixion to impose mass terror on a community. Uh, the, the, very, you know, the ghetto itself, he said, is a mass terror-inducing uh, reality. So we, we are weakened by all of this, and then again, someone throws out a massively promoted product like uh, Obama, and again, I said they gave him brand of the year, meaning that he was successful in branding an image or branding a, a political campaign in our consciousness more successful than Apple and Nike and any, many other corporations in, in getting across their image to us. Uh, and this, I think, has to be taken very seriously uh, uh, if we're ever to get out of it. Um, and that's really what I'm arguing. So I'm just saying that if we don't produce the change, the idea that they're just going to give it to us, uh, is just, um, uh, I think, naive at best. Yeah. Hey, Alpha, thank you for your call. I know you have some other questions, um, but I've got some, some callers who've been on the line for a while. Okay. Alpha of the Alpha Show at TruthWorks Network with his broke-it-down computer, which will be replaced on Monday with the brand-new Shining One. 610, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for joining us on Our Common Ground. 610? Let's see. We'll try this again. 610, you're on the air. I respect you. I think he probably was holding on for so long that I'm going to put him back on hold. You know, Jared, one of the things that... Uh, occurred to me um, and uh, over uh, when you were talking with Alpha is the is the notion that we give permission uh, for the rescinding of our own emancipation every time we buy into a new icon that is presented to us now you know. Uh, I am a person who grew up in Jim Crow. So 
I dreamed of Jeannie about this black president thing. <laughs> and I never thought that in my lifetime we would see an African-American president. Uh, I never thought in my lifetime, and, and I kind of grew up in, the, in, uh, in, in, in Boston and hung out with all the black students at the uh, Harvard Law School and at, at Harvard and, and, and Yale, Yale Law School. And, and, and it kind of, you never even then, back in the 60s, thought, these are people who are going to grow up, like Charles Ogletree. These are people who are going to grow up and become the President of the United States. That was not something that was a part of a concept of that you thought. You knew that these people would grow up to do something. But one of the things we have to look back at is that the icon was Martin Luther King. Uh, and so we went through 25 years of any minister out of any AME Baptist, uh, Zion Baptist, or whoever, ever denomination, who had a smooth talk, who had a great articulation uh, before crowds. Uh, they became the symbol of success, the symbol of authentic voice for black people. So now we have the black business people and the black political people who have taken on this iconic symbolism about who and what should speak for us. Am I on the wrong track here? No, not at all. I mean, this is this is uh, you know I would only suggest that I mean this tradition of of uh, spiritual speakers and and uh, you know preacher type leaders is, goes you know uh, far longer back in our history. But uh, uh, you know it didn't just start with King. I mean you know uh, Malcolm X comes out of that tradition obviously, and 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 many of the the people that that. Uh, um, uh, that he was moved by, you know, the Harlem Street Corner orators and, and Carlos Cooks and people like that. And, and there's a long tradition of that uh, kind of leadership in, in our community. It probably even extends back beyond our time in this country. But um, uh, but this is certainly the case. I mean, this is this is something that, that, that people have been arguing about for a long time. That it, that, that, um, and if we look closely at political struggle, uh, we see that there's always been this desire, uh, not only in this country, but, but just in general, this, this tension between those in power and those who are who are oppressed uh, over who their leadership is going to be, and those in power. This is why I keep talking about colonialism and neo-colonialism because this is the process. Neo-colonialism requires members of the oppressed community to to take on the representative leadership of that uh, community, so it, it can you know so they can be the sort of the black faces of that imperial process. This is again has a long history that didn't just start with, with Obama and won't end with him either. Um, it's, it's part of a process that I'm arguing needs to be ended uh, uh, and not so much in terms of a focus on any one individual. Um, and by the way, I think it's funny, you know, I'm just again looking at the comments here. Uh, uh, um, by the way, I did run for office. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, one of your, 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 one of, uh, your comments, you know, people make comments in your blog. Is, is, oh, do it, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's quite right to be critical of me, but but I, I just you know think you know should just um, uh, put as much study into me as I've done into Obama. <laughs> and those, uh -huh. you know, my point is that you know, I did run, I have run for office. Uh, I you know 
I served in the military. I'm a war veteran. Uh, I have three degrees. I have a, a wife and two children and a home. And, and you know, I, I do all the things that the society has said vested. you're supposed to do. I'm sorry? You're vested. You're vested. No, but my point is, is, that, 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 is that I've done, as an individual, everything this society says you're supposed to do to be successful uh, and to have a right to, to, to uh, voice your opinion. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it has been insufficient in, in the sense that, that we haven't won and, and we have uh, the, the things in this world that I would like to see change haven't been changed. But, but um, um, my point in all of this is that, that, is that by doing all of those things and showing that even individually um, in, 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 terms of a, in, in terms of a career in a material sense, uh, I'm not uh, as well off as, as some might think given my resume. But, uh, or, or, or um, uh, and my point in saying that is that is that this is more than just the individual. It's more than about the individual. It's more about uh, than about individual choice uh, and decision making that 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 uh, defines group and collective oppression. Again, um, my ability to do whatever I've done as an individual doesn't have anything to do with the, the broader treatment of the rest of the community. Thank you. So I think we have, yeah, and, and, and I think we get you know, that confused. We get oh, yeah. that so confused, it confuses yeah. our entire lives. That simply okay. because I am totally overeducated because my parents were psychopathic about <laughs> education. Right. And simply because as an individual I do well, it does not speak to the collective need. And you have to, and we have to begin to look at ourselves not as a person but of a people. And if we start looking at ourselves as of a people, you know, I, I just I was on the phone uh, late last this morning, early this morning, whenever it was, with my friend who is doing violent, anti-violence work in Goma, working with men who use rape to terrorize and to torture women as a normal course of both war and living. And one of the things that is so striking about what's happening in those communities in the Congo is that those women and those men who oppose that kind of violence see themselves as a group, not as individuals. It doesn't matter if one woman didn't get raped. It matters that all the other women are getting raped. This is where we have to begin to think through our our liberation, uh, our, our personal and collective liberation philosophies and strategies. We've got no, to be I more fully, tactical. No, I fully agree. This is, no, I'm just sorry. This, that's sort of, again, the, the, the point I'm trying to draw here, that, uh, poverty is not the result of uh, lack of education or or apathy among uh, poor people or stupidity or whatever have you. Uh, poverty is, in this, is is an absolute necessity of a capitalist uh, economy. Um, it's an absolute necessity of uh, as part of the process of imperial yeah. dominance uh, over uh, a group of people. You must keep them impoverished and weakened in terms of material and cultural resources. So. Uh, and that's again sort of my point about the the vote that these processes are not 
uh, established uh, willy-nilly or, or haphazardly, uh, and they're not established to be dismantled by simply uh, the whims of, uh, of, of a voting public. Uh, yeah. This is a very well orchestrated, and to the extent, you know, we don't have to agree with them, we don't even have to like them, but I think we do have to appreciate the extent to which those in power have gone to achieve and maintain their power. And they have not, I mean, this is not for a lack of effort. This is, again, not by accident. This is just not because they're just naturally yeah. superior. This is about well-studied, well-organized, uh, uh, exactly. and planned and practiced uh, inequality exactly. that is backed up exactly. and defended by, by military violence, which is itself backed up by, uh, as Fanon said, the psychic violence of uh, cultural uh, 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 distortion or di- disruption. Yeah. 423, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call with Dr. Jared Ball. I respect you also. Janice, this Thank is you. Peace be unto you and the doctor this evening. Thank you. Peace Good be evening. unto you, my sister. I um, I was just um, pondering whether or not I was going to call. I just wanted to really listen. But I have some questions that keep popping up in my mind, and um, those of us to whom much is given, much is required. And um, it's all too easy to say what other people should do. You know, um, when we who have knowledge, we're the ones who are going to be held accountable. Now, I just want to ask a couple of things before I run out and buy the book. Uh, doctor, did you do you know about the papal bulls? Do I know about the what? Papal P A P A L bulls B U L L S. Uh, I know about that they exist, and I know about one or two of them in history. Yes. And also, do you know about the doctrine of discovery? Uh, no, I don't. Well, those are the two things that put us in the position. That we're in when um, the. Uh, oh, so you're talking about the doctrine of discovery. I'm sorry, you're talking about the 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 uh, 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 the Catholic Church's dictate about the discovery of the the uh, populations and lands around the world. Is that what you're talking about? Right. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this is all about. It's a spiritual warfare that's going on here, and when when if you're right, if you know about these things. I'm sure you shared it with the public in your book. Am I right? No, I don't. I mean, I don't talk about the Catholic Church or the Papal Bull or anything like that. I talk about. Well, you, can't, uh, you, can't, you have to pull it out. Whatever the weed is, whatever's choking us, you have to pull it out at the root. And the root is there's a demonic presence revealing knowledge to those who, who have the love of the money on how to. Uh, diminish and destroy those who actually are the ones who have to have to have a restoration of their culture and know how they went into bondage in the first place. And if you have not, if you have that information and you're not sharing it, then you're missing the mark. Well, I mean, well I you know, there there are 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 many many paths of dialogue, discussion, and information that feeds into our understanding. So I wouldn't necessarily say that 
Uh, Dr. Ball has missed the mark. It's just not the path for which he has decided to construct his book and his argument. All right. Well, that's that's what you know. I'm just sharing what 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 things would cause me to get the book. Me personally, I can't Uh talk about other people. I don't I don't tell other people how what they have to do in order to do certain things. But I'm just talking about the information that would interest me. Before I would go out and buy something, I would need to have something that um, enhances what I already know. And when I deal with with, um, the issues that come to me, um, I'm certain that I'm already utilizing the information that I have and sharing it so that every aspect can be covered. That's just one thing that's wrong with with the people that um, do the voting in this country. They don't know what the bottom line is. Well, that's one. On that's see what one they of hear the us say on the radio, uh, and they go by. That's how they form their opinion. But they're never challenged to launch into the deep and to find out what's behind these things, what's moving these entities. Well, and that's you know, one of the things is educate is, at that level in order for people to be able to make conscious decisions on their own and take responsibility for those decisions. Well, you know, what you're proposing and and the the papal bulls and and discovery is one of maybe one of the things for which feeds into the greed that that gets translated that the the whatever demons it is gets translated into greed and the thirst for power in this country. And yep. I, I don't I don't think that every person who goes to vote has to understand any of the details other than the details of how it impacts how these people behave, the the system under which they can rule and and imperialize all of our lives. So, um, but but I hear what you're saying. There is something for which you are informed that you feel passionate about. Uh, that this is this is your truth, and every one of us has a bit of our own truth. What we embrace as our understanding. Thank you, caller, for your call, and I'm certainly going to look into some of the things, but I'm also certainly uh, have um, enjoyed and will support uh, all of you to uh, read Dr. Uh, Jared Ball's book, I Like, I Mix What I Like, A Mixtape Manifesto. It is his both scholarly and activist theories and thoughts, and he argues them well. In the book, our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. We do have a little time to take some some of your calls. I do want to make sure that all of you will join us on Monday at ten p.m. here at our common ground. We are doing a special. Our guest will be Kimba Smith. She was the poster child for mandatory minimum sentencing convicted and sentenced of a crime, sentenced for a crime for which her boyfriend committed.
but he was dead. And the American justice system decided to roll over on her. I dedicated two years of my life to ensure that Kimba Smith was released by any means necessary. She has been my friend. She has been my daughter on many, many dark nights as she spent four years in federal prison, and she'll be with us. And she and I will talk about her journey and her new book, Poster Child, The Kimba Smith Story. We hope you'll join us on Monday night. Dr. Jared Baum, one thing that I do appreciate uh, for what you do, I, I, I read everything and I listen every morning to Black Agenda Radio, and I'm, I get real pissed when it's not updated. But anyway, <laughs> um, one of the things that I do know about you is your love and passion for the ideology articulated, black nationalist ideology articulated by our dear um, brother Malcolm X. Oh, yeah, of And I, I just would like for you to to spend some time, and and um, I, I am participating in an 18-week discussion group on uh, Dr. Manning Marable's book, uh, Malcolm X, A Life of Reinvention. I have listened to some of your critique. I have read some of your critique. Uh, I caught you on Al Jazeera and uh, one or two other forums uh, that were were taped. And I'd like for you to um, share with us some of your thoughts about Malcolm and some of your thoughts about the new book. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, like for many people, Malcolm X is, is, is just... Uh, uh, Beyond obviously by my ability to to, to put into words his importance. I mean, um, but the way he articulated, the way he, he uh, uh, attempted to organize, the way he dealt with issues uh, is I think second to none. Um, and he's been a, a tremendous impact on on me, uh, you know, over the last uh, twenty five plus years uh, of my life. Um, but. Uh, so you know, when I read uh, Manny Marable's book, uh, which I had looked forward to eagerly for years, waiting for it to finally be published, um, I just was very disappointed, and I am very disappointed. And this is not um, an indictment of, of uh, Marable or his, his entire body of work. It's not personal. It's just that in this one instance, I think he um, came woefully short uh, in in what, what I think was a, a great potential. Um, moment to to help revitalize Malcolm X um, in, in in our discussion in the 21st century, which I think is is essential, especially right now. Um, and uh, he basically wrote a book that I think um, ultimately was was I can only guess at this point was was um, encouraged or influenced or reorganized to by the publisher to sell books. Uh, to a white middle class audience, uh, as opposed to inspire uh, among black and all other well meaning people uh, a radical reevaluation of our day. And um, so I think that if, you know, for all the claims that the, 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 of what the book was, was supposed to do and reveal, uh, I think it, it revealed very little of, of, of um, uh, you know, very little new information. Uh, no real powerful revelations, uh, particularly if you've read 
the the body of literature on Malcolm X over the last uh, you know twenty years. Um, you know, I don't think he did anything to add any. He, you know, he, he doesn't even really mention. He doesn't mention at all the counterintelligence program or the FBI um, uh, uh, developing specific tactics mm-hmm. uh, to destroy a movement that Malcolm was seen later as, as quote the martyr of. So I mean, you know, he doesn't do. You know, he doesn't build on the work of Claiborne Carson's uh, FBI COINTELPRO analysis of the early 90s. He doesn't do anything to build on the analysis of Zach Kondo in terms of the the uh, uh, the politics of his in the context of, of of his assassination. He doesn't do anything, or or even the detail about the assassination. He doesn't really add any depth um, in terms of Malcolm's political goals and his organizational efforts with the organization of Afro American Unity. Uh, that, that hadn't been covered in much greater detail in, uh, in 1993 by William Sales's book, uh, which I think still stands as one of the best pieces on where Malcolm was at the end of his life politically. You know, he doesn't do anything. You know, he doesn't expand or build upon what what uh, William Strickland did and make it plain. Um, and certainly, he doesn't expand upon what Malcolm left us in his own words and speeches and and, and video and audio that is easily accessible uh, online and elsewhere. So. Uh, uh, I think that what, what we have now is, is a very, um, you know, he, he tries to recast Malcolm X uh, in a way that, that would allow for him to be seen much as, as his mentee did, who I debated uh, on my show uh, a year ago, Peniel Joseph, he tries to, who was a mentee of, of Manning Marable, tries to recast uh, Malcolm X in a way that, that allows Mal- uh, Obama to be seen as an extension of Malcolm X's politics. Okay. So, you know, so these are the kinds of things that I see as, as, as a problem here, not to mention the unsupported, unsubstantiated, really poorly resourced uh, allegations about Malcolm's um, uh, alleged homosexuality and infidelity, uh, including the charge that the, the highly speculative charge where Marable simply, he actually says something to the effect that he may have uh, been visited by uh, um, uh, uh, Sharon uh, Poole, uh, cool. No, no, Sharon. Uh, I'm forget. I'm forget the 18 year old uh, sister. I forgot yeah. her name now. But he Sharon says so, so. You're right, Sharon X Pool. Yeah, yeah. So he's saying that you know he says she may have you know visited Malcolm at the hotel or vice versa something you know with no evidence and you you know so you're not only saying that he was uh, cheating on Betty uh, but you're saying that he was having sex with an 18 year old girl which I think is is probably to me at least worse. Uh, as, a, as an allegation than, than anything else and, and none of it's supported None of it's substantiated If you read the footnotes If you read the research On which it's supposedly based It's, it's, it's second and third hand Mere speculation And as one colleague of mine Who was a long career in black journalism said uh, If he had submitted that as a journalism piece To a newspaper Any honest editor would have fired him Not just not only denied it being published But would have fired him For trying to publish such a poorly sourced uh, uh, piece of research So Given what Manning Marable had in terms of his stature, uh, research assistance, graduate assistance, uh, funding, a, a, a decade of time at an Ivy League institution, uh, despite having all of this time and resource, he, he, he produced a book that is, uh, I, I, I think, just you know, weak in terms of its scholarship, weak in terms of its research, and, and worse in terms of its uh, political conclusions or the way he tries to describe um, uh, and redefine Malcolm X politically uh, for a very middle-class, mainstream, soft, liberal 2011. And I think that that's just unfortunate uh, and, 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 and something that deserves to be challenged. And I am 
uh, to a, you know to to a small extent trying to re- respond and, and 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 co-editing a book that'll be a, a, an anthology of responses uh, that'll come out on Black Classic Press uh, hopefully in the fall um, where you'll see a lot of very brilliant writers responding very critically to this book in a variety of ways showing that. Um, uh, uh, you know, beyond just what I've said tonight and what I could do even as an individual, uh, uh, you know, how, how flawed this book really is and what that really means uh, for all of us, uh, again, as we try to move forward and deal with all that we have to deal with. Well, we'll certainly be, be looking for that. Thank you so very much, Jared Ball. Uh, Thank we you. hope I that you will it. become a regular here at Our Common Ground. It would be an um, honor. And I am certainly, uh, for our audience, if you would like to check, uh, find Dr. Ball. You can find him online at imixwhatilike.com. You can also find him weekly for his weekly column at blackagendareport.com. And also catch him online, Legacy Edition of We Ourselves. It airs on Fridays at 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., and we recommend uh, his book. And I really enjoyed this book. You know, I listened to, when I was reading the book, Jared, I was listening to Etta Jones's Blues CD. Uh-huh. I didn't get a CD in the jacket of the, the book. <laughs> and, well, I, I'll send and you, was, I can send you, you know, people who get it, get the book and don't get the CD that comes with it, they can get... Um, uh, they can send me an email, and I'll send you a link. You can get the, at least get the digital copy. You know, I'm, um, I'm thinking yeah. that I don't know why. I thought there was. I thought a CD came with the book, and when the CD wasn't there, I was going, "Well, well it depends. I, yes, it depends. It, if you buy it through AK me. Press, you you do get a CD. If you buy it through Amazon, oh, okay. we ask you to contact me, and uh, and I'll send you the the, oh, the, okay. the digi version. Um, okay. Well, yeah. I will send you an address, and you can write nice things about me in it, and um, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my library at the end of the the journey. And so that will certainly be one with pride that I put on my shelf. And we thank you so much. We thank you for your scholarship, your courage as an activist, your insightfulness, and, 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 and innovativeness in carrying forth this war and being a warrior on our behalf. And we we certainly want to have you back again. Uh, it's an honor. Thank you very panel. much. No, I, like you. I said, it's an honor. Thank you very much, and thanks to your audience. Well, I am sure this has been a riveting conversation with Dr. Jared uh, ball on all kinds of discussions and thank you all for being with us here tonight house music is in the house shaka zulu khalifa thank you for your call alpha thank you for your call doc don out there in oklahoma on uh, the voxar is with us and we thank you all uh, for being with us don't forget about the special on monday 10 p.m kimba smith and she will take your calls. I'm Janice Graham, and thank you so much for being with us. All coming ground. Transforming truth to power. One broadcast at a time.
Well, good evening. This is Janice Graham, and this is Our Common Ground. Thank you so much for being with us tonight at Our Common Ground. We're here each Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be listening for you. Wishing you peace and power in the new week.